spread the tidings round wherever man is found, wherever human hearts and human woes abound. Let every Christian tongue proclaim the joyful sound the Comforter has come. The Comforter has come. The Comforter has come. The Holy Ghost from heaven, the Father's promise given. Oh, spread the tidings round wherever man is found. The Comforter has come. Number two. The long, long night is past. The morning breaks at last. And hush the dreadful wail and fury of the blast. As o'er the golden hills the day advances fast, the Comforter has come. The Comforter has come. The Comforter has come. The Holy Ghost from heaven the Father's promise given. Oh, spread the tidings round wherever man is found. The Comforter has come. Number four. Oh, boundless love divine, how shall this tongue of mine to wandering mortals tell the matchless grace divine? That I, a child of hell, should in his image shine. The Comforter has come. The Comforter has come. The Comforter has come. The Holy Ghost from heaven, the Father's promise given. Oh, spread the tidings round wherever man is found. The Comforter has come. And good evening. It is a super Sunday to be in church, isn't it? In fact, it is so super, I think I'm going to preach two sermons tonight. Amen, Brother J.R.? All right. No, I'm not going to do that to you. We'll get out of here about the same time we always do. Unless I check you, see you checking the sports score. And then it may extend. So, amen. All right. Good to be here tonight. And um, you say, well, Pastor, who do you want to win? I don't really want either team to win. So, I, I'm uh, stuck on this one. So, anyway, Brother uh, Jake, I was pulling for the um, the Vikings. I really was. I mean, Brother Jake's a big Vikings fan over here. And. Your team let me down, so I just want you to know that. Well, my team's let me down, too, so it's not a whole lot I can say. But uh, anyway, get all that, rid of all that nonsense. Good to see you all here tonight. And looking forward to a good time in God's house here in the choir, sing here in a few minutes, and uh, just praising the Lord together. Let's uh, greet one another. We'll come back and sing that chorus in just a moment.
let's sing that chorus together as we find our seats. The Comforter has come, the Comforter has come, the Holy Ghost from heaven, the Father's promise given. Oh, spread the tidings round, wherever man is found, the Comforter has come. Let's remember several of our church members and uh, those uh, tied to our church that are Really struggling right now. I continue to remember Maria Pete, who's out with uh, having had surgeries and recovery. And then uh, Michelle LeBrock, who is uh, recovering from a long surgery she had this week, two of our, uh, one of our newest members. And then uh, also Joanne Wilson, who's been out for quite some time with uh, several severe illnesses. So pray for her. And then an update on Pastor Johnson's son, James. For those of you that weren't in the service this morning, uh, Pastor Alan Johnson's son, Pastor, uh, Pastor Johnson used to be a part of our church here some time ago, and his son got into a really nasty car accident down in New Jersey, uh, had surgery this morning, uh, was in critical condition. The update I got here is that um, uh, the surgery went well, but his femur is shattered. Uh, he is going to need more surgeries to repair it, but he, has, uh, he also has a collapsed lung has a cut on his liver and other complications uh, before they can do more surgeries on his leg. They've got to take care of these things. So let's pray for uh, all the others, but specifically let's pray for James Johnson this evening, that God will uh, touch him and heal him and, and bring some triumph from a very insane tragedy. Pastor Dave, come open this prayer. Let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, as we hear the news about Brother Johnson's son, if we would, if you want to stop and pray for him, that you'll be able to help the doctors get everything correct there, that you'll be able to help raise him back up. We think about um, the great ministry Brother Johnson's had many years ago here and how there's even still continual fruit from that. I think specifically about Trumbull Gardens, how he really helped start the bus route there. We pray, Lord God, that, you know, that you'll be able to raise his son back up, that you'll be able to help with the collapsed lung and, and all the different other issues going on, that you'll be able to help raise him back up to full health. We also do pray for... Uh, Miss Joanne, that you be able to help brace her back up. Pray that you be with Miss Michelle. She's trying to recover from this major surgery she had. And of course for Miss Pete, as we miss seeing her here, pray that you be able to help continue to lift her back up. We pray, Lord, that tonight we would really be focused in on your word. And we love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. Praising your name. Amen. You may be seated. Please take your hymnals again and turn to hymn 240-240. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. We'll sing the entire song. <clears throat> Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thy powerful hand. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Feed me till I want no more. Number two. Open now the crystal fountain whence the healing stream doth flow. Let the fire and cloudy pillar Lead me my journey through. Strong deliverer, strong deliverer, be 
my strength and shield. Be thou still my strength and shield. Number three. When I tread the verge of Jordan, bid my anxious fears subside. Bear me through the swelling current, land me safe on Canaan's side. Strongs of praises, songs of praises, I will ever give to Ushers, I don't see any visitors here with us this evening, and so uh, let's get the other uh, cards. Do we have any of those left over? While they're gathering those, if you did not get a chance to fill out your uh, commitment card to help the church with their renovation projects, uh, the big one for the uh, parking lot, uh, we want to give you a chance to fill that out and turn that in this evening. We gave those out all week last week, and so if you did not, uh, if, if you need one, because either you misplaced yours, didn't bring it, or that you didn't, never got one. If you wouldn't mind, just quickly slip up your hand, and uh, we'd love to get you one of those. Anybody? Right here, uh, the Okais, and then uh, Miss Beardsley popped there. All right. Very good. And so all the committed money will help us to be able to plan for the parking lot. Again, we're needing $20,000. Let me just say this. If you have not put one in and you are planning on giving, it is impossible for us to know how to plan the giving if you don't put one in. So... Uh, please, please, please participate in that. Uh, put that in the offering plate. And if God moves you to give more, hey, praise the Lord. Uh, we're, uh, we're always good with that. Again, I uh, just want to make sure I state this, is that any money put in the offering plate, specifically toward the parking lot, if we get uh, over and above what we need, that money will be rolled over into the next capital improvements project. So I want to make sure that's stated clearly up front ahead of time so that everybody knows what we're doing with that. All right, one other uh, issue I'd like to, to handle quickly. Uh, Jason, do you have that list back there with you? All right, uh, we um, made a big deal out of this in the beginning of the service, and then I think at the end of the service, I forgot to mention, I think everybody else just forgot about it. Mark and Michelle, they got baptized last Sunday morning. Michelle had a 13-and-a-half-hour surgery on uh, Thursday, and uh, she went home today. She is recovering well. You have a 13-and-a-half-hour surgery. You're going to be on your back for a long time. And so uh, we want to show our newest members how that uh, what White Oak Baptist Church's hospitality looks like. And so we're trying to do a meal train for them and trying, trying to provide them meals beginning tomorrow for seven days. Jason, what days do we have left that we need covered? We need Monday, Thursday, Monday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. This would be a dinner meal. Maybe Sunday we could do lunch for them, but uh, lunch or dinner. But Monday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. And so... How many of you here, uh, do I have somebody here that could cover Monday for us? Anybody here that could cover Monday? If someone in the choir raises their hand, make sure someone on the platform lets me know. All right, you can do Monday. Joanne Owens will cover Monday. And uh, Thursday, anybody can do Thursday. Bianca Bray, you can do Thursday. Uh, Saturday, you guys can do Saturday, Mike? You can do Thursday. Okay, can anybody do Saturday? You can do Saturday. And then how about next Sunday? Anybody can do next Sunday. All right, the VARs will cover next Sunday. That's very good. That gets them all covered. And uh, if you haven't yet, if you raise your hand, make sure you see Brother Jason back here. That way he can get your contact information. That way we can send you instructions on address, time of drop-off, uh, those kind of things. That would be a great help. All right, very good. At this time we'll have requires. Hold on a minute. Rose?
They should, yeah, they're on their way back today. Yeah, the Segrus were out of town for Carla's brother's funeral. And uh, I believe that funeral was on Friday, if I remember right. And then they're traveling back today, so we need to keep them in prayer as well. Thank you for that. All right, we'll have our choir sing now. Timothy, it says, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, rebuke, rebuke, with all long-suffering and doctrine. On um, a few times a month, we have a preacher boys club that meets in the room 102, the brown classroom over here. This is led up by Brother Greer for men to have the opportunity to help preach who normally don't have the, a chance to. We have several great men of God here who know how to share the word of God. Um, so many great guys that don't we don't get to always hear from a public platform like Sunday Night Preaching. So this gives them an opportunity to help share the word, what God's doing in their life. If you have a chance, especially us men, after services, come stop by room 102. Let's hear some men of God that you wouldn't otherwise get to hear and learn more about what it means to preach. It's a great opportunity. I want to make sure that it's still in the center of our mind that we still have the the Lowe's, Fishes and Lowe's Preacher Boys Club. It's going to meet in room 102 right afterwards tonight. Pastor Mike? So as you saw earlier this morning, we had uh, 
several baptisms. Uh, one uh, little girl and her father, uh, for her father, had been working on him quite a while to get baptized into the baptismal pool. I led him to the Lord uh, when he lived at his previous home, and I'd just been working on him. And I looked at him, I said, you know what you need to do now, right? He said, yeah, I need to get baptized. I said, okay, we could start on this day and do it this time, but never came to pass. Um, and this morning, he just walks in with his uh, wife. He comes in, <clears throat> and I didn't know Jasmine was supposed to be baptized, but she comes in, and uh, she's being baptized, and I'm sitting next to him, to her father right there in the, in the pew, and he says, you know what? I think I want to do that too. I said, well, I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking to myself, yes, I know that. You better get baptized. <laughs> I didn't say that to him, but he said, I'm, I want to do that too. So I walked up and told Pastor that he wanted to be baptized. And I was thinking, God, because this whole time, you know, I'm thinking to myself, Lord, why, you know, he knows what he needs to do. You know, why is he not doing it? You know, the next step of obedience is to baptism. But I thank God, you know, because we were, we just let the word of God germinate. And he knows that, you know, God is getting a hold of their heart while we're not, you know, talking to them, you know, at the home, God is doing the work, and I just thank God that he, he came and um, uh, chose Believer's Baptism for that. Uh, one other up, um, outreach is uh, yesterday, I got the privilege to go out with Brother John and to the bus route, and uh, he and I, we approached this, this man who was just walking the street, and uh, when I introduced myself and gave him the track, and I told him what we were all about, he said, wow, it's like what did he say, Brother John? Something like, uh, this is like a sign from heaven or something, you know. Like, I was just praying that someone, you know, would kind of, you know, give me a sign from heaven. And me and Brother John were able to be that help and that light to him as we gave him the gospel and talked to him about the... He said he was about to do something really bad, and we tried to, you know, put out the flames quick of his anger. He was, he was upset, and he held it pretty well. Being in Trumbull Gardens, you don't know what can happen. So, you know, we were, we were like, all right, let's... Let's calm him down, and I gave him a candy bar, try to cool him off, but uh, <laughs> I gave him uh, some, some bar, that was a healthy bar. I wanted it, but I was like, you know, I got to give it to him. <laughs> so um, you just never know what the Lord will do through you to help and to encourage and to help, you know, get the gospel to other people. So thank God for what he's doing here at our, at our church. Let's stand together again and turn in our hymnals to 163, hymn 163, Some Golden Daybreak. We'll sing the first and the last. <clears throat> Some glorious morning sorrow will cease. Some glorious morning all will be peace. Heartaches all ended, labor all done. Heaven will open, Jesus will come. Some golden daybreak, Jesus will come. Some golden daybreak, battles all won. He'll shout the victory, break through. Some golden day break for me, for you. Number three. Oh, what a meeting there in the skies. No tears nor crying shall dim our eyes. Loved 
ones united eternally. Oh, what a daybreak that morn will be. Some golden daybreak, Jesus will come. Some golden daybreak, battles all won. He'll shout the victory, break through the blue. Some golden daybreak for me, for you. All right, you may be seated. Ushers, if you would make your way forward for the collection of the offering. Just to highlight a Sunday school class uh, that is held at 945 Family Foundations. Um, I haven't been a part of the class. I've always wanted to check it out and see how the classes run. You know, Brother Jim, that teacher there. Uh, but uh, I encourage you, those of you who have family, children, uh, things of that nature, be a part of a Sunday school class if you're not part of one. Family Foundations is a great class for that, for your growth and encouragement. If I could have John Sanchez pray for this evening's offering. M165, some golden daybreak, or I should say when we see Christ, sorry, uh, one and three. Oft times the day seems long, our trials hard to bear, we're tempted to complain, to murmur and despair. But 
but Christ will soon appear to catch his bride away. All tears forever over in God's eternal day. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Number three, life's day will soon be o'er. All storms forever past will cross the great divide to glory safe at last. We'll share the joys of heaven, a harp, a home, a crown. The tempter will be banished. We'll Daniel chapter 2 in your Bibles. After service tonight, we've got um, Preacher Boy Club tonight. Brother Greg, I mean, you're a brave man to do that on Super Bowl Sunday. You're making people pick, man. That's great. That's great. Um, after church as well, um, many of you know Rose down here. Rose's daughter Leah tragically uh, died earlier this year, and today would have been Leah's birthday. And so Rose has bought a cake, uh, and it is in the lobby, and so no sneaking out during church, amen? Uh, but we're going to enjoy birthday cake for Leah's sake after church, and you can take that to go and, uh, and uh, just make sure you go by and, and uh, say a word of encouragement to Rose in the process. Wanted to get one other thing out here. Tomorrow, I don't, uh, this is real last minute, and so if you're available to go, I'd encourage you. If not... That's all good. Uh, tomorrow, uh, I'm going to be going up to Danbury, uh, Brother Joe Vasek's church. I believe that's New England Baptist Church. Is that correct? Uh, Dr. Ray Young, one of my mentors in the faith, uh, mentor preachers. He's the president, chancellor of the Bible college I graduated from. He's going to be speaking up there. And so I'm thinking about taking a shuttle bus, taking the church shuttle bus up there. If anybody here would like to go along, come see me after church. We'd probably leave close to 6 and then maybe stop and get a quick bite of fast food on the way back after the service. The service starts at 7. And so if you're interested in that, let me know. If uh, no one else wants to go, then my family will go, and we'll just have a good time. But thought I'd throw that out there. All right, Daniel chapter 2. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word tonight. 
Verse, verse number 16 there. The Bible says, Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time, and that he would show the king the interpretation. And Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, Mishael and Azariah, his companions. And they would desire mercies, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning the secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Tonight we're going to look at this topic, prayer, asking and receiving, asking and receiving. Let's pray. God, I ask tonight that you would help us to understand the Bible Lord, to be challenged to be men and women who pray more, pray more fervently, more passionately, more often. God, may we not live superficial Christian lives. May we not just be concerned with the knowledge of the Bible, but Lord, may we be consumed and concerned with a, a strong two-way relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray that our prayer time would not just be Waste, fluff, but Lord, it would be a time that accomplishes eternal things, uh, Lord, things that will last uh, and make, make an impact in a great way. Help us tonight as we look at the life of Daniel and consider his prayer life. And then, Lord, uh, some instructions from you in the New Testament as well. Help us to be challenged by it. And I pray, God, that every one of us here would just make a decision right now that we would commit ourselves more often to prayer. Right there where you're at right now, standing in the pew, would you take just a moment to ask God to soften your heart and prepare your heart for this preaching on prayer, that your heart would be more open to this concept of prayer. Right there where you're standing, would you just take a moment and, and, and pray a prayer, very simple. Lord, help us tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Back to the basics, 2018's theme. In the morning time, we're looking at um, some of the knowledge-based items. We took the month of January and we covered the Bible, which is really the foundation, isn't it? You, you can't believe or agree the rest of the doctrines of the Bible if you don't even believe the Bible is true. And so we talked about how God gave us the Bible and how God preserved the Bible and how God allowed a book to be translated, his book to be translated into the English language, which I believe the inspiration and preservation carried over through that translation. We have a perfect book today. Um, month of February, we're going to be looking hard at the love story, God's love for us through salvation. We looked at reconciliation this morning. It's a big, fancy word, but in essence, that word reconciliation involves the offended party forgiving and the offensive party Showing repentance. When those two things are mixed together, you get reconciliation. You get, you get a, the, 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 the slate wiped clean and you get to start over. Uh, we'll continue on the month of February looking at uh, different angles of the gospel of, uh, of, of Jesus Christ, the story of salvation and sort of the science of that. But on Sunday evenings, I, I would like for us to take a different approach for most of the year. I'd like for us to maybe step away from the doctrines of the Bible, and talk more about how to put them into action in the Christian life. We'll talk about that in the morning, but how do you read your Bible? Well, we, before, prior to the book of Haggai, we, we spent a Sunday evening talking about how to read and study the Bible. You've got this big 
book, right? And uh, you open it up and you go, where do I even begin? And so we took a message and we talked about that. If you were not able to be here and you don't know how to read and study your Bible or you'd like to uh, maybe uh, hear some more, st- uh, 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 some more ideas on how to do that, our sermons are all on YouTube, on our website. And so you can go watch the video or listen to the audio on the website. By the way, Pastor Dave works to get the sermons uploaded to the website every Tuesday. And then there is an app you can download on your, your phone, both the Google Play Store and the, uh, the Apple App Store called Sermon.net. And you look up our church and all of our sermons are uploaded there. You can listen to them natively through the app. But um, that sermon was about how to study and read the Bible. But how about how to pray? How to pray. Now, this won't be the first sermon I've preached on prayer. And it won't even be the first sermon I've preached on prayer when it comes to the science of, the, uh, doing, uh, the, the science of it. But I want to go beyond just the very bare basics of prayer. And I want to talk about how to actually get hold of God and have Him give you something that you're praying for. How do you do that? How do you get down on your knees and feel like your prayer did more than just bounce off the ceiling and reverberate around the walls? How do you get up off your knees and, 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 and in time, a life of prayer, begin to see answer after answer after answer? i got to say that that's key because I don't know about you. I don't like doing something that I feel like I'm failing at. In fact, if I'm doing something and I feel as though I'm failing at it over and over and over again, eventually I just give up and quit trying. Am I alone there? Let me just be honest. The reason why a lot of people quit going to church is because church isn't doing a whole lot for them. And it isn't because that, uh, at least here, I don't believe it isn't because there, there isn't anything good given out. It's just they're not looking for what's being said. And prayer's the same way. Prayer's the same way. You don't know how to pray. You're not getting answers to prayer. You're going to quit praying. And I really believe, I'll just be straightforward, I believe that's why many people don't pray. Because they tried it. It didn't work. They gave up. And then a preacher will preach on it. They'll try it a little bit longer. And they don't get what they want, and so they give up. So how do we pray? Now, recently I, I took my son and I taught him uh, the method that got my prayer life off the ground as an older teenage boy. And um, through a period of time, we prayed together using uh, this method. I'm going to share it in a minute. And now my 8-year-old is learning how to pray at a much earlier age than even I began. And i got to say that um, if my 8-year-old can do it, you can do it. You can do it. I don't always use the system I'm about to share with you, but when I'm going to pray for really lengthy stretches of time, like an hour or two or more, I will oftentimes revert back to some form of what I'm about to share with you. So let me give it to you really quick. If you're taking notes and you don't know how to really pray for any length of time, or uh, maybe you just want another model to follow, um, what I would recommend you do is that you get a piece of paper, whether that's a 4x6 card, 3x5 card, or just an 8.5x11 sheet of paper, notebook paper, and write down some categories and then plan your prayer time. Here are the five categories that I pray through when I'm looking for a season of prayer. All right, the first one is 
praise time. Praise time. Now, I've already preached a sermon, so if you took lengthy uh, copious notes on this, just bear with me for those who didn't, and this is going to set up the rest of the sermon. I promise I won't belabor this too long here. Praise time. So I write down praise time at the very top, and I will list four or five or more attributes of God that I want to praise Him for. And again, the example I love to use here is that if April, my daughter, wants something out of me, she comes and cozies up in my lap while I'm watching TV or the news or just sitting there resting and and uh, maybe she'll bring me a drink and uh, she'll slip my shoes off my feet and she'll kiss me on the cheek and she'll say, Daddy, have I told you recently how awesome you are? Before, I'm, she, before she's going to ask me for anything, she's going to cozy on up, up to me and, and, uh, and compliment me. And i got to say, God wants us to do that too. Nothing wrong with cozying up in the lap of God in in your prayer time and saying, God, you are awesome. In fact, that's how you ought to always start your prayer. Not with a voice of complaining, where are you, God? How come you're letting this happen? No, 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 don't start there. Don't do that. Cozy up in his lap and and start to praise him. Lord, you are all powerful. You uh, You are ageless. You exist outside the confines of time. Uh, Lord, uh, uh, you care for my every need. You know how many hairs are on my head. Uh, You know uh, every thought that I think. And you still love me anyway. Take some time and praise Him. The second category that I pray through, again, I would really recommend if you're a new Christian, write these down. It will help you to be able to pray. The second category is confession. Confession. Take some time and confess your sins to God. Tell him how terrible of a human being you've been. Let me give you a little secret. He already knows. He already knows. He knows every single time you said a word, a wordy dirt, right? A dirty word. He knows every time. He knows. He knows every thought you've thought that's selfish and that is uh, 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 maniacal and narcissistic. He already knows that. And listen, I've got to tell you, sometimes in my prayer life, when I'm confessing my sin and I'm just being blunt about my sin, I feel so ashamed. You know what? I think that sometimes drives me to a heart of repentance. Don't hide things on God. Because you really can't. Be honest with yourself and be honest with God. Confess your sins. The third category is thanks time or thanksgiving. Hey, listen, we as a society and people, we complain about everything. Oh, my phone is so slow. Oh, my computer's broken. Oh, my my uh, my my uh, heat in my house or the air conditioning in my house isn't hot enough or cold enough. And oh, the shower water was. Lo- and I'm guilty of some of this. I'll be honest. <laughs> uh, but listen, we got to set the complaining to the side, which is a sin, by the way. And we got to take time to thank God. Do that on purpose. The truth is, if you started thanking God now and did it till the day you die, you you, you wouldn't run out of things to thank Him for. It isn't that there aren't things to thank Him for. It's that we don't focus on the positive we're too, because we're too busy focusing on the negative. And so in your prayer time, thank God for all the good things He's put in your life. When was the last time you stopped and thanked God because you had hands that could feel? Legs that could walk. Your eyes can see. But pastor, I have to wear contacts. When was the last time you thank God you live in a day when there's contacts and glasses? When was the last time that you thanked God that you have all five senses and that you are not a paraplegic? When was the last time you thanked God for the hurts and the pains He's put in your life to try and grow you? Thanks time. 
Now, once you have praised God, 15, 20 minutes, depending on how much time you have, sometimes less, you've confessed your sins, you've thanked Him, don't jump into a list of needs that you want. All right, God, here's my wish list. Like a Lamborghini, uh, I'd like um, a three-car garage uh, for a house, uh, in my house, my new house, and uh, here's the Christmas list. God is not uh, the, 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 the Santa box at Macy's. You know, they used to have the, do they still do that at Macy's where you can drop off the Santa list? They still do that at Macy's, anybody know? Now you just probably email it to them, right? You don't have to go to Macy's anymore. You, you can do it on Macy's app, probably through a phone. But God's not Santa Claus. Don't run to him with your needs. Run to him with the needs of others. Hey, we put out a prayer bulletin every week. Take that thing home and pray over the needs of your church family. We have missionaries that have needs. And when you hear that prayer, uh, missionary letter read in either Sunday school class or Wednesday night church, um, write down those and pray for those. Supplicate on behalf of others. Then at the very end, after you've done all that, I'm going to tell you, your heart will be tender, your heart will be ready, your heart will not be hard and it will be solved. And then you can pray for the needs of yourself, if you have any. And um, make sure those prayers are very careful and well thought out. You don't want to just ask God to give you things to satisfy the flesh. You make sure you ask Him for things that uh, would uh, please Him if you had those. Now, if you write out several items below each of these before you begin praying, then you can pray for a very, very long time. You take those five categories, you put five or six items below each one. Listen, I have used this model, and I'm not saying this to brag on myself, I'm saying this to make a point. I've used this model to pray for two hours plus before. You say, well, I prayed for everything I could think of, and ten minutes later I was done, and I felt thought I'd pray for an hour. That was how it was when I was a young Christian. Come up with a plan. Take the time. Let me ask you a question, Christian. Do you pray? Do you pray regularly? If you had to give your prayer life a score from 1 to 100, would you give yourself a D? An F? There's always room for improvement. None of us are an A+. Do you pray by faith, believing that God will give you what you ask for? I think of the multiple stories in the Bible where someone prays, and then when God answers their prayer, they act shocked. What? What? Um, you ever been surprised by an answer prayer? Ever caught you off guard like, wow, well... Um, Sometimes God answers our prayers so spectacularly that we're not surprised He answered, but we're surprised at the magnitude He chose to answer. But God wants you to pray by faith. What does that mean? What is that? Is that just preacher talk to pray by faith? It isn't. You bow your head and you're in an impossible situation, or what seems like an impossible situation, and you say, Lord, such and such needs help, or I need help with this. You pray by faith. You pray believing that God will give you what exactly it is you're asking for. Let me ask you another question, Christian. Do you pray prayers that are in line with the promises of the Bible? Praying that God will help you keep an affair secret, it's not in line with the Bible. Praying a prayer that God will give you permission to smoke cigarettes, 
It's not in line with the Bible. You say, Pastor, that's crazy. Why would you even say that? I have heard people say, well, you know, uh, God... Listen, people in sin will justify it any way they can. A man who once worked as a volunteer youth uh, Sunday school teacher over me had an affair on his wife, and when his wife uncovered the affair, one of his excuses was, well, we were having devotions together. We were having devotions together, as if that makes it okay. Sometimes our prayers are so convoluted and backwards that we're trying to recreate the morals of God in our own mind to match our lifestyle. And my friend, you need to read the Bible and understand the promises of prayer and then pray in line with those. Let that be the boundaries around how you pray. Oh, that is so key. Let me ask you another question. We live in a very, uh, before I ask the question, let me just make the statement. We live in a time where people are more narcissistic. That just basically means they care more about themselves than anybody else. They will step on anybody to better themselves, and most of the time they won't even feel bad about it in the process. Um, now you may not be that bad, but are you so self-centered that you pray for yourself more than you pray for others? Probably not, because most people who are self-centered, they don't pray at all. But it could be there's somebody here today, you pray, but everything you pray for is you. Lord, help me, help my family, help my kids, help my spouse. Did you ever step outside of yourself and pray for people that aren't so closely connected to your circle? Um, a good barometer for that would be how much better quality of life would you get if God answered your prayers? You need to pray prayers that if God answers those prayers for someone else, other than knowing that your prayer was answered, it wouldn't benefit you in any way. You know what you're doing? You're praying selflessly. Selflessly. Now listen, you need to pray for your wife and you need to pray for your kids or your husband. You need to pray for your, your parents and you need to pray for your friends and you need to pray for your church you definitely need to pray for your pastor and he's all the prayer you can get. Amen. Uh, you need to pray for those things. And uh, you need to pray that God puts protection around your home and you know, uh, pray for all those things. But listen, you ought not always pray selfish prayers. Pray beyond that. Let me ask you one more question here by way of introduction. This one I'm afraid gets many of us. Do you, Christian, do you only pray in times of desperation or... Emergency prayers. Some of us, the only time we get down on our knees and try to get hold of God is when there's an emergency. Now, earlier I told you that God is not Santa Claus. Let me give you another person that God is not. He's not the 911 operator. Now, you have an emergency. You need to call out on God. You know, if you dial 911 and you're just messing around, you get in a lot of trouble. Any testimonies tonight? We had a, uh, our phone was one of those old phones where, you know, back, back in the, what, late 80s, early 90s, where you, uh, at the top you had three buttons. One would call the fire department, one would call the police station, one, I can't remember what the other button was. And uh, my little brother kept 
pulling over and pulling down the little gray phone cord, and he'd get the phone. He's crawling around. He's two years old, James. And he'd hit the 911 button. And uh, my parents had moved the phone. He'd somehow find a way to knock that thing down and hit the 911 button. And, man, let me tell you, that not, we sent police to our house. They threatened to fine us. I think at one point they threatened to arrest someone in our home. Um, they don't want you pushing those buttons unless it's really an emergency. Some people act as though God does not really want him, God does not want us to talk to him unless there's a real emergency. My friend, it's the opposite. You know, I think God probably gets perturbed when the only time you get down on your knees is when there's a problem. What if your children only came to you and there was a problem? Oh my, Dad, I need you to stump my toe. And the rest of the time they ignore you. Oh, I broke my arm. Well, how about you talk to me about how your day was at school more regularly and don't just tell me when you, you know, your teenager gets in a car accident. Desperation prayers. By the way, that's the one most Christians do most of the time. Uh, rather, that's the one baby Christians do the most. They only call out to God like Peter. Remember, Peter gets out of the boat. He's walking on the water to Jesus, and it wasn't frozen. That must have been a sight. I hope God's got that one recorded. I want to see that one in heaven in God's theater. He's walking on the water, and he takes his eyes off the Lord, and he's looking at the storm, and the next thing you know, boom! Down into the water he goes, and as he's bobbing up and down in the water, God surnamed him Bob there. No, I don't know. I'm just teasing. Uh, he goes, uh, Lord, save me. And God reached down and pulled him out. That's a desperation prayer. There's nothing wrong with desperation prayers. But desperation prayers work a whole lot better when you talk to God in non-desperate times as well. God wants us to use prayer as an avenue so that He can give to us a multitude of blessings in our lives. Consider these verses, Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me, and I will, I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. If you call on me, I will answer thee. What's the condition? You call, he answers. You call, he answers. How about Psalm 37, 4? Delight thyself also in the Lord. I talked about April curling up in my lap and loving on Daddy. You know what delighting yourself in God is? That's you crawling up in the lap of God through your prayer time and loving on your heavenly Father and delighting in Him. The Bible says that if you'll do that, then the Bible says He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. He's going to put the right desires there, and then after He puts the right desires there, you're going to pray for Him, then He's going to give you what you prayed for. So, you see how that works? He puts the right desire in your heart, you pray for the desire, then He fulfills the desire. Or Matthew 7, 7, ask. And it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. This is just a small sampling of verses that God offers in His Word that promises us that if we ask appropriately, He will give us the things for which we ask. Let's, uh, 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 let's jump into the outline here. As we do that, let me give you this quote. Charles Spurgeon said, I would rather teach one man to pray than ten to preach. I'd rather teach one man how to pray than ten men how to preach. You want to know how important it is to pray? Listen, uh, they're going to have the Preacher Voice Club in here in a few minutes. I think that's great. Brother Greer, I would challenge you uh, at, uh, at times when you're back there to do as much praying as you do preaching. Every now and then, just say, hey guys, we're, we're going to pray before we preach, and we're going to get down on our knees, we're going to pray extensively. Prayer moves heaven. Prayer moves the heart of God. 
Prayer is the greatest source of a power available to the Christian, yet it is seldom used. And when it is used, oftentimes it is used wrongly. Tonight we're going to look at a prayer warrior in the Bible. We are going to see how his prayer grabbed hold of heaven. We will see how he asked and then see that he received because he asked the right things. Let's look at five attributes of Daniel's prayer life that will help us to better ask God and receive from God. Number one, point number one of the message, notice, consistency in prayer. Consistency in prayer. Look, look back with me at Daniel chapter 2. Hope you have your Bible still open there. Daniel chapter 2, look down at verse number 16. The Bible says there, Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation, that he would give him time. Now, uh, the story uh, uh, here is that Daniel, just quickly the background here, Daniel is new in Babylon at this point, Daniel chapter 2, and he's still one of the young men. He got through Daniel chapter 1 where the king labeled him ten times better than all the, than all the other uh, uh, wise men of Israel. And so here you have uh, Daniel, and uh, he's uh, been labeled one of the astrologers or magicians by the Babylonian title, and really his power was not in the evil spirits, his power was in God. So the, the uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the leader, has a dream, he wakes up in the morning, he can't remember his dream. So he calls all the wise men and he says, I want you to tell me what I dreamed, and then I want you to tell me what it means. And they said, but king, nobody can do that. And he said, you're going to do it or I'm going to kill you. We have a blue screen. Amen. Uh, you're going to do it or I'm going to kill you. And they're like, what you're asking us to do is impossible. And so, the, and so the king gets angry and he sends everybody out to kill all the men. And so uh, the... Uh, the uh, representative of the king shows up at Daniel's house. He says, all right, line up. It's time for me to kill you. And Daniel said, for what? He said, well, the king had a dream. You've got to remember, they didn't have cell phones back then. So, you know, word traveled by word of mouth. Uh, the king had a dream. No one could tell him what he dreamed and what it means. And so because of that, all the wise men have to die. You guys are the rookie wise men, but nonetheless, you have to die. So uh, how do you want me to kill you? And they said, well, hold on. Let me talk to the king. So he goes to the king and he says, king, I don't want you to kill us. He said, I want you to give me time. I want you to give me time. If you give me time, then God will show you the interpretation. How could have Daniel known that God was going to do that? I think, um, if I could just be very transparent here, I think if I was in Daniel's shoes, I probably would have gone to the king and said, let me try prayer and see if that works. Let me see if I can pray. Let me see if God will tell me. See, Daniel's prayer life was so mature and down the road. It wasn't if God would tell him. It was a matter of when God would tell him. That right there proves to me that Daniel had some consistency in his prayer life. He prayed every day. In fact, we know that. And later on in Daniel's life, as uh, he is now under his third or fourth ruler, here he's under Darius. Turn over to Daniel chapter 6 for me. Daniel's been made the top of the presidents. So there's three presidents. So you have King Darius, and then his uh, structure there was that he uh, had three presidents serving under the king, and then 120 princes serving under the three presidents, and they, he made Daniel the top of the presidents. So Daniel is president number one in charge of the other presidents, and these three presidents are in charge of the 120 princes, and from there on out they rule the land. And so these 
other two presidents and these princes, many of them, could not stand Daniel because he was so favored by the king. Look down at Daniel 6.3. We'll see why Daniel was so favored by the king. Uh, it says there, then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes. Why? Because an excellent spirit was in him. You know where that excellent spirit came from? came from a life of prayer. Do you know why your attitude stinks? Because you don't pray. You know when my attitude stinks, why it stinks? Because I haven't done enough praying. Your attitude's all bent out of shape and out of order. Friend, get down on your knees and talk to the Lord in prayer. He'll straighten you out. Daniel's prayer life was so consistent was so strong that his spirit, and in, in, even in bondage and captivity, was so excellent, being a foreigner, the king made him number two in charge. Now, look down at verse number 10, and we see these men schemed to have him out. And quickly, the story there, before we look at verse 10, the story there is that they said, Oh, king, uh, no one should worship anybody but you, and if they do, they should be thrown to the den of lions. And they played on the king's ego. He signed the edict and the law, and uh, knowing that they were tripping up Daniel, because Daniel was a man of consistent prayer. Look down to verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, the edict was signed, he went into his house and in his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. You know what Daniel did? Daniel prayed. Daniel prayed without ceasing. Daniel prayed consistently. Christian, I'm afraid oftentimes we'll hear a sermon like this and we'll pray for a little bit and we drop off. And we had a hard time, we'll pray a little bit more and we'll drop off. I long for a day where I can pray for an hour, 365 days in a row. Do you long for that day? Some of you may already be there, and if so, praise the Lord. Make it sweeter. Number two, we see constancy in prayer. Turn back to Daniel chapter 2. Constancy is very, very similar to consistency, but I'm going to take it just a slightly different direction. Daniel chapter 2, look at verse number 19. The Bible says, Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Daniel goes back and he gets down on his knees and he begins to pray and says, God, our lives are in danger. We're going to die. We need you to reveal for us the king's dream and then tell us what it means. Daniel didn't just pray for an hour and roll up in his bed and go to sleep. No, no, no. We see here that the, the vision was revealed to Daniel in the middle of the night. You know, great things happen late at night when we're walking with God. We're saying no to sleep and we're starving the flesh. We're begging God's face to do something big. I think back to Jacob. Jacob wrestled all night with that angel. You know the story, don't you? Jacob had ticked off his brother, had stolen the blessing from dad, and had uh, wiggled the birthright away from him as well. And Esau had threatened to kill Jacob. So Jacob was sent away by his mother, and he went to Laban's house, his uncle, where he would meet his future wife and marry her and then now several wives later and several children later he begins to make the voyage back home he wronged his brother 28 years prior his brother was coming toward him 
with 400 armored men. Jacob sent his wives and children ahead and he stayed back to pray. During that time of prayer, an angel appeared. I believe that angel was the Lord Jesus Christ. Old Testament appearance of him. And he wrestled with Jacob all night. All night he wrestled with Jacob. Now, I've got to tell you, I've been in some dorm room wrestling matches in college. And you, know, you get carpet burns and all that. And uh, after about three minutes, you're huffing and puffing and you're wore out. I've been in wrestling matches with my brothers. And, and uh, I loved, loved that kind of thing when I was younger. After about three minutes, I'm done, man. J- Jacob wrestled all night. He must have been one uh, well-built, uh, a strong uh, uh, man. And as the sun was coming up, he refused to let go until that angel blessed him. You say, well, how did the angel bless Jacob? Well, he touched his thigh. That wasn't a blessing. That was just a reminder. You're going to walk with a limp the rest of your not- life so you'll remember this. But the blessing was that he changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Jacob meant trickster. Israel carried with it a much more positive connotation. And Israel, uh, uh, we become his name. And now his name is used every day in the news. And his name is uh, uh, synonymous with the country of Israel. His children would become the twelve tribes. What explanation is there outside of prayer that caused his brother Esau to hug his neck the, the next day? Any explanation outside of prayer is absolutely preposterous. When we are willing to sacrifice what is precious to us, food, water, for short term, sleep, in order to spend time with God, that shows God our level of seriousness. We can expect miracles from God if we are not willing to surrender first. Rather, we cannot expect, expect miracles from God if we're not first willing to surrender what is precious to us. Turn over to Daniel chapter 10. Again, Daniel's now receiving visions from the Lord about the future. We know that most of these visions would have to do with, uh, uh, or would rather would fit in with the book of Revelation and the end times, still prophetic times that have not yet taken place. I believe they're coming very shortly. But look at Daniel chapter 10 and verse number 7. The Bible says, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I remained, uh, retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. Behold, and a hand touched me, which set me upon uh, my knees and upon the palms of my hands. So he's down on all fours. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved and understanding, the word that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had uh, uh, spoken this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said unto me, Fret not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God. Thy words were heard, and I came uh, uh, for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me. And I remain there with the king of Persia. So here Daniel, we see Daniel chapter 2. Daniel uh, foregoes sleep in order to receive from God that which he's asking. And here in Daniel 10, uh, he foregoes food in order to see uh, uh, God, uh, uh, in order to see God give him that which he was asking. A great 21 day fast. Now turn over to Luke chapter 11 in your Bibles. Luke chapter 11. 
What am I trying to get at here? There needs to be a time in your life where when you really need to get something from God, you really want to get something from God, that you grab hold of God and you say, I'm not going to let go until you give me what it is I'm praying for. And I'm not talking about a new car or uh, uh, nicer material things or the lusts of the flesh or the lusts of the eyes. I'm talking about getting hold of God and begging God to do something that's so big and powerful in your life that it's revolutionary for the good or revolutionary for somebody else. Something that fits inside the boundaries of what Scripture teaches. Luke chapter 11, look at verse 5. The Bible says, and he said, this is Jesus speaking, he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to, to step before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut. And my children are with me in bed. I, I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, Yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of, of, of any of you that is a father... Will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he ask for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Here we have an example of a man who's all in bed with his kids. Lock the door, shut the lights off. He's in bed trying to fall asleep. And his next door neighbor, who's his friend, comes and bangs on the door and says, Hey, I just had company drop in on me unexpected and I need to feed them. I need to be a good host. I need three loaves of bread. Can you loan them to me? I'm fresh out of bread. And the man from his bed yells out the door and he says, I'm in bed with my kids. Go away. He said, listen, that man's going to get out of bed and give him that bread. Not because he's his friend, but because the guy won't stop knocking on the door. We go to God and we say, hey, God, I would really like if you do this for me, please. We, we walk away. Well, he didn't hear my prayer, so I guess I, I guess he didn't want to give it to me. And God says, no, 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 you need to pray a little bit deeper. Bang on that door and bang on that door and bang on that door and say, God, I need you to come through. God, I have a need. God, I have a burden. God, I have a heartache. God, I have a great care inside of me. I need to see you do something big in me and through me. I need you to touch some loved one who's hurting. I need you to step in and help friends of mine who are going through marital struggles. Lord, I need you to help such and such who's having a hard time with their children. Lord, I need you to do something big. I need you to step in and help save a America, I need you to heal our great land and you get hold and you grab hold and you knock and you knock and you knock and you say, I'm not letting go until you come through and do something great and something mighty in me and through me. I'm talking about constancy in prayer. Number three, we see number three, we see confidence in prayer. Turn back over to Daniel chapter two and look at verse number 16. Daniel chapter two, look at verse number 16 with me. The Bible says, then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would show, he would give him time. Look at here. I have this underlined in my Bible. And that he would show the king the interpretation. Daniel knew. Daniel knew that God was going to come through. He's confident in it. 
confident. Daniel, we talked about Daniel's prayer life and how that that was substantial, but Daniel had a confidence in Christ. He had a confidence in his God. If I pray, he will hear. If I pray, he will answer. Now, I've got to be honest. I don't always like the way God answers my prayers. God always answers my prayers. Sometimes he says, sure, I'll give you that. Pray a little harder first. Sometimes he says, no, you're praying for that, but it's not the right time or it's not the right thing. Other times he says, just hold on. Hold on. It's a coming. But Daniel knew that if he prayed, his God would hear him. Could I ask you this tonight? Can we be honest with each other? Do you really believe that if you ask God for something, he's going to give it to you? Do you really believe that? Now, if you're in your heart saying, I believe that, then if you don't pray, why not? Now, God is no genie in a bottle. He's not 911. He's not Santa Claus. But God has great things He wants to share with you. And He shares that with you as you develop that relationship with Him. If I could just illustrate it this way. My wife and I... We're madly in love with each other. Been married almost 11 years now. Love each other deeply. My wife and I were to have a rifting away, a breaking apart. We were to stop talking. Um, Angela knew she needed something that only I could take care of. To the degree that our relationship is good, to that same degree, she can be confident that I'm going to give her what she wants. To the degree that our relationship is broken, that confidence is broken. Some of you don't really know if God will come through for you in prayer because your relationship with God just is not very good. And you know whose fault that is? It's not God's fault. It's yours. It's yours. God will answer your prayer based on, I believe, usually based on the stability of your relationship with Him. I have a whole lot easier time going to Angela and saying, Angela, I'm not feeling good. Can you get me some water and some Tylenol? I'm going to go lay down. I have a whole lot easier time doing that if we're on speaking terms and we're in love with each other and we're doing great than I do if we've been fighting and clashing. I'll go get the Tylenol myself in that instance. Sometimes we don't want to go to God because we know that we've been living a lifestyle that's debaucherous and sinful in the eyes of God. How can you have confidence in prayer? Well, when you're consistent... When you pray with constancy, then, then, then with that comes a strong confidence. Number four, we see companions in prayer. Companions in prayer. Look at Daniel chapter 2, verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and made this thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. Now, who were these men? I, I, for sake of time, I'm not going to have you turn over there. But Daniel 3, you find the story of... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Well, they were Hananiah, Meshach, and Azariah. Hananiah, Meshach, and Azariah were the Hebrew names. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were the Babylonian names they were given uh, uh, to be replaced. By the way, Daniel, we call him Daniel, but his, his Babylonian name was Belteshazzar, I believe. And so uh, we know them that way. Daniel goes back to these men and he says, Listen, the king is going to kill us if we don't get hold of God. And the four of them get down on their knees and they have a prayer meeting. God listens. 
God listens. I know some of you here are private people. I believe that um, I believe some of you here pray long and hard, but you pray alone. You know, you're not really tapping into the power of heaven the way you could if you'd pray together. I think it would be great if some of you here tonight would find a couple of other siblings in Christ and say, we're going to start gathering prior to church or hang around after church, and we're going to find a quiet place. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray together. Companions in prayer. Turn over to Matthew chapter 18. I'm almost done here. Matthew chapter 18. Look at verse number 18. Again, from the very words of Jesus. Verily I say unto you, it says, verse 18, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I don't have time to get into that verse tonight, but that's a powerful verse. Verse 19, again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they shall ask if it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Wow. What a powerful verse. Christian, do you pray? Do you pray with others? You say, well, I really wouldn't know what to say if I were to pray publicly. Can, can I say this? Get together and write down a list of things that you guys want to pray for and then silently pray together. You don't, no one has to pray out loud. It doesn't have to be a, a showing off of spiritual credentials. Who can pray the most elaborate prayers? The two or three of you get together or more. Get together and get down on your knees and pray in silence if you'd like. I'm talking about companions in prayer. Getting together and getting hold of God. I'm talking about a husband and wife who will pray together. I'm talking about a family who gets down on their knees and prays together. I'm talking about some of you that work a secular job, getting together with the other Christians that are there and maybe going out in a vehicle during break time and praying together in a vehicle or if allowed, pray together in the break room and ask God to use you there in that company to do something great for God. Number five and lastly, let's look at credit in prayer. Look down to verse number 27 of Daniel chapter 2. We'll finish up with this. So Daniel has the prayer answered. Sure enough, he was confident because he knew his God and he, he had that confidence in Christ and confidence in God in his praying. And so he gets down on his knees and he prays and he prays and he prays and he prays. And God shows him both what the dream was and what the interpretation is. And he goes into the presence of the uh, 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 of Nebuchadnezzar, the king. And here's what we find, verse 27. It says, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show to the king. I 